0: Yeah, I'm glad we, she still got the juice, amen. I'm glad she's still able to sing. All right, we're going to continue on in our Learning from the Life of Joseph series. We're in the book of Genesis. We'll be picking up here at the bottom part of chapter 40 to the top part of chapter 41. And um, kind of recap just a little bit. Joseph was a, technically accused of rape by Potiphar's wife. And he did not do anything wrong. In fact, he got himself out of there. But his garment was left behind. She kind of held on to it and ripped it. And there was evidence that he had been there with her. So obviously Potiphar, he's an officer of Pharaoh. He, he has a testimony, a responsibility. Uh, there's a perception of him. Then, and that not, you want your wife to be in the guilty party. So everybody took her side and he goes to prison. So while he's in prison, he meets the butler and the baker, or the baker and the butler, which worked for Pharaoh. And of course, a baker cooked for Pharaoh and his uh, entourage of people there, his cabinet, if you want to call that, and the butler served and brought drinks and so, some some reason or another, uh, they displeased Pharaoh, and he got upset and put him in the dungeon. That was a way a lot of people operated back then. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you abuse that power if you had that power? You go to the dungeon, you you'd send a lot of people to the dungeon too. Don't look at me that way. You know you probably would. So anyhow. Um, Joseph is there, and of course, the dreams that he dreamed, he hasn't seen those fulfilled yet, but he has an ability to interpret the dreams of others, and he definitely realizes that here in chapter number four, and chapter number 40, you've got the the dream of the baker, and he gives the the, the recap here, we won't get into uh, the detail of it, but he's... um, Dreams a dream that he's uh having, and it's uh um, he he says here that he's got these breads on top of his head, and in his uh he he at the end it says, let me fine, I'm trying to find my scripture here uh verse number thirteen yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore unto thee thy place, thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner than that was his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. For I indeed was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, which means for the butler, that he is going to be restored to his job, he wanted his dream interpreted, so he said unto him, Joseph, I also, verse 16, was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head, and the uppermost basket there was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof, the three baskets are three days, Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee. So some of his interpretations were for good and some were for bad. And that'd be a hard thing to handle there. And sometimes it's a hard thing to handle some of the things God puts into our life. Whether it's to share of the scriptures, that might be good and kind and supportive. And sometimes some of the scriptures and some of the things that we say are not all necessarily kind and supportive. Sometimes they're cut dry. Sometimes they're thus saith the Lord. Sometimes it demands something else from us. So Joseph dealt with those things. There's some things we can learn and glean from there. But the, the end of the story there is that the, the baker had his head cut off. Joseph gets his job, uh, uh, the, the butler gets his job back. And the Bible says in verse 21, chapter 40 there, he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. So he's actually serving, Brother Matt, serving the Pharaoh personally again with the the cups as a butler. So he's right there serving in important meetings and other things that takes place. He has an ear with Pharaoh. And at the end of this chapter, uh, the Bible says... Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. Joseph is a type of Christ, as we mentioned last week. Uh, Jesus knew what it was to be forsaken and forgotten Forsaken of his own father His own family would walk away from him His own followers, his disciples Forsook him when they didn't understand Complex doctrine or scriptures uh, Like him being the bread of life Many walked away And he said will you also go away And then Peter says to whom shall we go Thou hast the words of eternal life And so Joseph is a type of that Of understanding some of those things But the saddest part between chapter 40 in chapter 41 is this read this and it came to pass at the end of two full years you remember he's talking to the butler said when you go back and you tell the pharaoh I shouldn't be here I didn't do anything wrong and he's pleading his case he was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews he's doing everything he can to give a real quick summary of everything about him before it's over and two years go, go by it's a Amazing time, trial in his life to be faithful in the hard times. Here he is in the prison and again God gives favor in those hard times which helps us to understand when someone would whisper in my ear, you have been forgotten in these hard times. When you see favor in those hard times, you can be sure God has not forgotten you in those hard times when there's still favor coming. And he gets in this prison in chapter 39 and the prison keeper, turns everything over to Joseph and he becomes pretty much the warden and controls everything and he's in charge of a lot of things and the Bible says this is a unique, weird, obscure scripture in chapter thirty nine, twenty three. The Lord made it to prosper. Under Joseph's hand, even the prison prospered. You don't think about it. Boy, God blessed the prison house. Boy, it prospered. But that's what God did. God blessed him and gave him favor with God and favor with man. And he caused it to prosper. Another lesson within that. Even though there's a long time frame that may challenge us where nothing seems to be happening, just lean on what God has already done for you and enjoy the favor, the prosperity that you already have because we are tempted to, to go, what have you done for me lately, God? Because you know Joseph could have said, God, you have forgiven. me. I don't care. I don't care that it's good and I don't have to be like every other prisoner. I don't care that this is here and that's there. I don't have what I want. And he wanted to get out of prison. And you know that he did. He, he wanted that. And yet two more years. I don't understand why God puts us through times of testing that last so long sometimes. But I'll tell you this, they make some, some really interesting good stories when you get to look back on how God's grace brought you through all those things. There are testings that make us better, as I mentioned before, or either they'll make us bitter. It depends on how you receive what God is doing in your life. If you will learn the lessons that God is sending into your life. And so uh, he, had, uh, he showed or exhibited faithfulness in hard times. He experienced favor in those hard times. And when he thought he might have been forgotten, and the Bible said he was forgotten by that butler. The favor of God was still there, even though the favor and the lies and the promises and the sincerity of people who had good intentions. You know, the, the butler would have been glad to say anything that Joseph wanted to hear, and in his heart, he probably intended, yeah, I'm sure, if I get to go back to Pharaoh and go back to work and I survive, sure. But he got back to his life. He got back to what he was doing and no doubt involved in that. And two years go by, two long years. So in chapter number 41, the Bible says it came to pass at the end of the two years, of two years, two full years, emphasizing full If it was Joseph, you were Joseph in prison, they'd feel very full. It'd probably feel like eight or 20 years. Pharaoh dreamed. God gave Pharaoh a dream that bothered him. God gave Pharaoh a dream that would bother him, that there'd be no other interpretation but the man God way ahead had sent Joseph there. Now, I I do uh, believe that God could have done anything he wanted to with Joseph and left him at home and then had him called for somehow to go to Egypt. But this is the trail, this was the path, this was the plan to put Joseph in Egypt. Now we wouldn't choose a lot of things that God sends into our lives. We wouldn't choose them, but it's amazing how God puts together the puzzle pieces of our life to make a beautiful, beautiful story. I would have never chosen some of the losses I've had in my life with my mom, my dad, my sister, some of my best friends have died all within about an eight-year period. I wouldn't have chosen some of the physical things that have happened to our family or our other things I could share. All of us have those stories. I would have never chosen them. I would have never walked through those doors. That's why God chose for me. What I had to make the decision is: well, Am I going to follow this? Am I going to? Am I going to submit to this? Am I going to yield to him? Am I going to trust him? And I believe God. I believe Joseph trusted God through all these trials and testings, testings of temptation, testings of time passing by. So here, the Pharaoh dreams a dream, and let's go to the dream. I think some of you will enjoy this. I know some of you probably eating some weird stuff, had some weird dreams of something you ate, and next morning. But listen to Pharaoh's dream. Behold, he stood by the river. 41.1. Behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind. Now this means cattle. And fat-fleshed. And they fed in the meadow. This is showing you a good time of prosperity. The meadow is growing. There's growth. The animals are fat. They're well-fed. And this a time of prosperity. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river ill-favored. And lean flesh. So they're they're bony and they look sickly, and these that are sickly and bony and lean flesh they devour, they eat up the other. The Bible said they stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river, verse three, verse four, and the ill favored and lean fleshed kind did eat up the seven well favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. You ever had a dream and it woke you up? This woke him up. This woke the God of Egypt, uh, the greatest leader of all that territory around. Egypt was a massive empire, and you know, as Joseph is sold as a slave, the slave trade, the, the, the where the money was was in Egypt. That's where they headed, and so Pharaoh wakes out of his dream, and he slept and dreamed the second time. I've had some really weird dreams before where I felt like I actually really experienced the dream. Felt like it was very real. So he goes back to sleep and has another dream. And the Bible says, behold, seven ears of corn. I'm sure you could imagine that. Came upon one stalk, rank and good. I mean, there was numbers and numbers and they were all well put together. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears it says, and blasted oh, excuse me, and the seventh thin ears devoured verse seven, the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke. He woke up again, and behold it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning, his spirit was troubled. He could not get peace about what was going on. And he sent and called for his magicians, the magicians of Egypt. We've seen this before where the magicians of Egypt had to come together and and be in a conflict with the men God had put in their pathway when Moses was there that day with those magicians of Egypt. You know, they could make the water turn to blood as well. They could make, they could make lice. They could make critters. They, they could do things and copycat things. But boy, when it come down to that staff turning into a snake, boy, they, they'd come up and a, a petrified or a, a snake that was asleep. They'd put that snake down there. Try, we can do everything that you do. But then Moses' rod devoured their rod. Now Moses fled before the rod at other times because he's afraid of snakes. And I get Moses with that, I do. Uh, But here this day, their magicians are going to be devoured by God's man, Joseph the Dreamer. A title that mocked him before, but now we're going to start seeing God honor him and elevate him. So Joseph is in the prison still. and God is sending dreams. And magicians are coming around in Egypt. All the wise men have been called, and the Bible says Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Now I know there's a lot of time elapsed here that we probably uh, assumed that this might have taken a lot longer than just one verse, where many people are coming in and throwing big magic poofs, and I will pred- I will tell you dream, O great Pharaoh. And every one of them, and all the polished words, and all their soothsaying, and magical spells, and parlor tricks, none of them could interpret the dream. Pharaoh knew, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, here's verse nine. I do remember my faults this day, two years ago, two years ago. Pharaoh was wroth with his servant, put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream, and there was a young man. Boy, I'm glad God helped him remember Joseph. There was a young man there, a Hebrew, servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted us our dreams to each man according to his dream. He did interpret, and it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored into my office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily. Now, I want you to just think about this. What was Joseph doing while he was waiting on God to do He's being faithful. We just need to be faithful until God sends word. Just to be faithful until God opens the door. Can't bust the prison wall down because if I do, I'm a jailbreaker. I'm an escapee. So I abide and occupy it until he comes. I take, I'm take. i faithful abiding over what he has given me. Joseph has been given leadership. He, he, the Lord was with him and he was prosperous prospering in that prison so he just kept on doing what he could I know it burdened and bothered his heart that this butler had forgotten him and years, the time turned into years but there finally come a message a messenger, an opening of the door the pharaoh sends for him in a hastily way to get him out of there I've seen some movies where they shaved Joseph but the bible says he shaved himself I'm just going to go with the bible so, what if the movies are right, I believe God's usually right, amen. That's my attitude, amen. He said, well, the slaves, well, he's more than a slave. He already has honor. He has been requested by the Pharaoh. He's already gonna be brought to an, an, a place, in an, an amphitheater, in a place of attention to where he has something that these magicians do not have. So I wonder as he's shaving himself and getting himself prepared to leave this prison Don't know how long he will be gone. Don't know. He doesn't know if he's coming back. But he's going to go speak to the Pharaoh. And he has hope again that he has not had in a long time. Praise God when the Lord sends some words of hope that we might not have had in a long time. And he comes to the Pharaoh, the greatest leader of all the region here. Here's this young man who had all these dreams. The dreams were, Brother Carl, that his own family would bow down to him and and that people would give obeisance unto him and he would be in some great position of authority and then he went in the pit. And then he later goes to Potiphar's house and then he gets framed and he goes to prison and now he's standing here before Pharaoh and the pieces of the puzzle are coming together in his life. Pharaoh calls for him and the Bible says Pharaoh said unto Joseph in verse 15. I have dreamed a dream and there is none that can interpret it and I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand and dream to interpret it. At this point here, brother Jeremy, Joseph could have ran with this whole uh, idea, this premise that He's the man right now; that he's the focus of attention. And you know what Joseph does with that? He he's not had a he's had some favor, but listen, he's still working in the prison, and he's not anything that he had dreamed that he would be one day. And yet, here in the midst of all this, he is unchanged by this sudden prosperity, he this swift power and position that's getting ready to come into his life that would blow most of our minds, and most of us would not respond very well. He says, "This it is not in me." What would I thought? It's not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer. Now, how dare you talk about another God in the presence of another God? Amen. Oh, they believed Pharaoh was God. Pharaohs believed they were God. All the the pyramids and the sarcophuses, or if that's the word. I might be stretching out on my long phrases here, my big words. And the places that they, they buried him in the tombs and all the, the paintings and the, the chiselings on the markings on the wall, they worshiped Ra, the sun god. They worshiped these people. And they believed it themselves. And Joseph just got fresh out of prison. He's still smelling like aqua velvet probably a little bit. And he's saying, it's not in me, it's God. Well, what could happen anyway? What if Pharaoh gets mad and you go back to jail? I want you hung. Well, once he got to lose, this is his time to not focus on himself, but to focus on God. What do you do with the time you're given? Focus on yourself. Focus on God. Here's my resume. I'm showing my resume here. The already two for two on some dreams. He said, it's not in me. I know it's not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer. Now what this does, this pretty much puts God on the spot though, doesn't it? This is an act of faith though. This is not a forcing of God to do something. This is an act of faith of, of Joseph. What's he got to lose to go back to jail or die? He doesn't know what the future, he, doesn't, he can't even see any, any other steps of head, ahead of where this is leading. This may be the end of the road. He may interpret the dream and go right back and just be the private dream interpreter and stay in prison all the time. He doesn't know. It's not in me, God shall give Pharaoh an answer. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, "In my dream. Now we won't recap every word for word for this. He gives the, the dream interpretation of those cattle, those kind, the fat ones get eaten by the skinny ones, the ears of corn grow up, the fat ones, the, the plump ones, the, the, the full ones get devoured by the, the skinny ones or the ill-favored. And so he sees these. He repeats the dream, "I see this, brother Jeremy." I, I don't know if he came up in the heat of all that was going on and there was like a long line of magicians and soothsayers and every one of them has struck out at the plate and they're all standing there scratching their head, and then they bring Joseph in and they're having to stand around watch him have, have his time at bat. I don't know if that took place, but it'd be really interesting if they're all standing around waiting to see what this kid's going to do with God's interpretation. And he comes across with great confidence comes across to me cool and calm and collected you can do that when you're trusting god my knees might be knocking sometimes but i can say god's god's the one who interprets dreams this is not in me it's about god so pharaoh mentions that he awakes and in verse 25 joseph said unto pharaoh the dream of pharaoh is one He's already tying things together that are so fragmented and so unraveled. No one can interpret. I'd love to have been able to hear some of the interpretations of what, what some of those things were. I bet you it would have been almost comical. But when it's his time, he says, these dreams are one. Both of them are the same kind of dream, have the same message. It's already bringing clarity. Already bringing a clarity here when there was nothing but confusion around them. God is the God of peace, not the author of confusion. And it's amazing here when Joseph gives God glory and credit, he's already now bringing an opportunity. As we as believers, I'm just applying this to our New Testament life. We ought to bring peace to the table. We ought to bring some clarity to the table. We have the truth, and the truth makes us free. We're all the only ones that have the truth. And there's a lot of confusing things in this world. But you can stand on truth no matter what, and it brings a peace, and it should bring an an aura of peace from us. People say, there's something about you. Oh, it's not me. It's God. It's God that did that. And so they're listening to him, and he says, these dreams are one." Verse 25, God that showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. Almighty God is about to show you what he's about to do. The seven good kind are seven years. I'm listening. And the seven good good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. Now you and I have never experienced famine. never experienced years with no water. It will not rain. Nothing will grow. Everything's dying. No one has enough, and there's not enough to go around. And famine here, these seven years of famine will devour seven years of plenty. But God is merciful here. He's giving Pharaoh heads up. There's going to be a 14-year span, and you better look to God and get it right. And the Bible says in verse 28, Joseph says, this is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten. You know what we normally do in the years of abundance and plenty? We, we, we spin them up. We abuse them. We take them for granted. We waste them. We do. But when God gives warning, he's trying to tell them, don't waste this. Don't take this for granted. You better tap into this. You better do this wisely. These seven years are for you to prepare for the next seven years of famine. And a time, can you imagine? And some of you have experienced this. You've experienced some prosperity in your life, but then the famine came, the hardship came, the physical infirmity, sickness year after year after year. He almost forgot about the good years. It's easy to do. Real easy to do. Well, he tells them that these, these two dreams are one. There's seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And there's gonna come a time of great plenty, and there's gonna come a time of great famine. That it's going to be so strong and so great that all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. Verse 30, the latter part. And the famine shall consume the land all around them. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by the reason of that famine following. For it shall be very grievous. And for that, he's still talking to Pharaoh now. He said, for that, the dream was doubled. Doubled. Now, Jesus will do some verily, verily. Sometimes he'll repeat things of great truth that he wants to get across to us. God's done that many times. Here he gave this dream twice, two different ways to try to get it across. And of course, the Lord uses Joseph to get that across. And he says this. He said, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because this thing is established by God and God will bring it shortly, bring it to pass. This is coming soon. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. You know who that man's going to be? It's going to be Joseph. He says let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. He's already in his heart has a plan even though he's not the man yet. But he didn't. He didn't. I'm not saying he's hinting. I'm not saying he's not hinting. I'm just saying he just says, You need to do this in a wise manner. Let them gather all the food of those good years that come, lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. They actually had silos in the cities. The whole city was pretty much about the silo storing the food. Can you imagine that? That's a lot. And that food should be for store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that land shall perish not through the famine this is the purpose of getting ready in the years of plenty you know I don't know if God might have sent us some years of plenty under Trump we had, we had a little bit of prosperity there I don't know if we did too good a job with that and now people complaining everything's higher inflation all those things maybe God gave us a chance I don't know It's not an unprecedented thing that's been taught throughout the scriptures. But anyhow, I know God can help us even though we go through famine, go through hard times. Even the children of Israel had light and they're dwelling in the plague of darkness. God's going to take care of his people, take care of his own. The only thing I can do is just turn to God and seek God and look to God. So let's pick up here in verse 38. Verse 37, and the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. As soon as he heard all that the interpretation, he heard the plan that Joseph had, what he recommended, it sounded good. He knew it was right. He knew this was the man. This is the dream. He's got this interpretation right. This is real. This is coming. I trust him. The Bible said that this thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all his servants, everybody working around. One of those servants was who? The butler. I bet you the butler's feeling pretty good right now. This is working out pretty amazing here. Oh, Joseph. Wish I hadn't forgotten him for two, for two years. Pharaoh said unto his servants, verse 38, I will see Pharaoh turning around to his servants and his cabinet. Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the Spirit, he's not using Pharaoh, he's not using Egyptian words here, he's using. He's using Jehovah. He's using God. It's the spirit of God he is. Can we find anybody that's got the spirit of God in him? Like that man? Pharaoh sent him to Joseph. For as much as God has showed thee all this, that there is none so discreet and wise as thou art, thou shalt be over my house. This word over goes all the way back to Genesis 37 verse 8 with his first dream. When he was going to be over his family, and they didn't comprehend it, they didn't understand it. There was disagreements and disrespect for it. But there was even though Jacob, he he regarded it, he listened, tried to figure out what this dream was about. Joseph's finally seeing these dreams come to fruition, finally seeing it come to pass. And yet, this is just the beginning. It doesn't even it's not even got started really good yet. Pharaoh has now said. With his own mouth in the, the public ears of his servants and others there. Thou shalt be over my house according to thy word. Shall all my people be ruled? Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Can you believe that? Just um, transferring power over to you. And there's going to be only one person will be greater than Joseph. In all the land of Egypt underneath this, this dire emergency. He's FEMA right now. That takes over. It's more important to pay attention to Homeland Security. More important, to pay attention to FEMA. They got the right. They're going to get a fifth part of the land. They're going to use that fifth part of the land and grow crops and prepare for this hard famine. And so the Bible says, He takes off his ring in verse forty-two. This signet ring, it's uh, it can stamp documents. And put it in. A lot of times, they'd put rings like that in wax. Sometimes, now this culture is older than the Roman culture. Sometimes, the rings could be used almost like a a pass card. You know, you've got, you ever had a card? You get into a place, you felt you were important. Nobody else could get in. This ring would get him in. He's he's got this ring, and he's got the uh, the gold chain. Uh, verse forty two. Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, raid him investors with fine linen, put a gold chain about his neck. He's got all access, VIP, to everywhere he needs to go. What a difference even one day's making now. One day. If we can just hold on, maybe that one day's coming tomorrow. To hold on, then God's going to show you his plan. He's going to open a door so wide and no one can shut it this amazes me to think. Listen, when jo- Joseph dreamed these dreams, he, he, was, he probably couldn't even comprehend. He probably thought it was all about his little family, his little small world, but it was about the whole world. It was about all of Egypt. God had, Listen, God has so much bigger plans than we can even dream when we dream and we don't even understand them. He has so much more out there for us. Please don't short yourself to think that you can know God's will for your life and you can get it all figured out. Just trust him and follow him and let him open up the doors. Let him put people in your life. Not one person in the pathway of his life, even through the hardships, was a mistake. It wasn't a a bad plan. It didn't go wrong. Everything had a purpose. And he he just kept being faithful all the way. Verse 43 and he made him ride in the second chariot. Anybody ever driven in a limousine before? Some of you have. Uh, I'm not talking about in a funeral because that's, that's, that's a whole different thing there. I'm talking about maybe you rented one for something or you was in a big way. I got to be in one with a wedding. My sister got married. She spent $100 billion on her wedding. Somebody did. I don't know who. But they had a limousine, and they had every, all the bells and whistles. Now, my family wasn't saved back then, so they had all kinds of party stuff going on. But I remember riding in that limousine, drinking them little drinks, and had a little 7-Up with a cherry in it. And uh, I didn't even know if I was the second limousine or the first limousine. It didn't matter. I was just in the limousine. Well, he's in the second chariot, which means the first chariot's Pharaoh's chariot. He's in the line. This is the line. This is, this is an amazing thing. All the time he felt forsaken and not acknowledged and not cared about and nobody knew what God was doing and seemed like God even forgot what he was doing. Now he's at a place and no one can ignore him anymore. He's getting to be set up to a time to where his own brothers are going to have to come to where he is and bow to him just like the dream said. The Bible says they made him ruler over Egypt. He was in that second chariot and those people who were walking before the chariot would cry out, bow the knee. Boy, that's an interesting phrase. I'm not bowing before my brother. What kind of dream is that? Now everybody has to bow the knee. What an image. You know, there's a typology of Jesus being, Joseph being like the type of Christ. There's going to be a command and a demand one day, bow the knee. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Here everyone's going to have to confess and and admit and submit to this. Even the prison keeper, even Potiphar, even Potiphar's wife, everybody's looking at Joseph now and really concerned about how they treated him, whether it was good or it was bad. It's amazing. Bow the knee and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. I'm still Pharaoh. Don't forget that. (laughs) Amen. I have position and I have power. But I'm giving you position and power too. There's nobody going to have the kind of power that Joseph is getting ready to have. Pharaoh called his name Joseph Joseph. He named him a, an Egyptian name, zaphnath phania and there's different interpretation of what this means. It's kind of a cryptic, Coptic-looking word. Some of it means he's the revealer of the secret things, and there are also parts of that word, the last part of his name, Phania, which means he's the one who sustains or brings life, and that message will be repeated again later in the chapters. He's one who could reveal secret things that can bring life. I thought about Joseph being a type of Jesus again. You know, Jesus comes and brings that. that He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only door to heaven. He kind of brings a special secret thing to us. There's no other way to get to heaven, and yet he provides that, and he brings those words of life to us. I'm glad that Jesus did that. I'm glad Joseph was that type that shows a picture of that. And he gave unto him to wife Aseneth, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Verse 46. And Joseph was 30 years old. He got the best job he's ever had. At the highest place of his life he's ever been. And he's only 30 years old. I'm going to close here with this. Uh, Over the years... Studying the life of Joseph, he's become one of my most favorite Bible characters. I love his story. I don't know if you remember at the beginning of chapter thirty-seven, he was seventeen years old. Y'all remember that? Now the Bible says and declares here he was thirty years old when he stood before Pharaoh. Now he's a grown man. I Man's a lot of life. A lot of time can change in thirteen years, can it? A lot can change. He went from being a teenager to a grown man. Boy, there's been a lot of scars, a lot of trials, a lot of testing in that 13. And through that, I, I began to meditate upon that. And instead of triskaidekaphobia Decaphobia being afraid of the number 13, I've embraced the number 13. And it's now my favorite number. When I go to Chick-fil-A and I order, you know, they got those little numbers there. You know what parking lot I try to pull up to? I look for 13. Number five is grace, and I love that. Eight's the number of new beginnings. Number one is supposed to symbolize God. And three's the Trinity. We can go on, but I always seek out number 13 because it always reminds me of the favor and the grace and the goodness of God that God sent into Joseph's life. Those 13 years, even though they were hard times, they were such blessings flowing out of those years as well. And I embraced those 13 years. I embrace that number As he stands there before Pharaoh, what a mighty God we serve. Amazing. So there's other scriptures here. Uh, We may recap some of this. I've got a long ways to go. To be honest with you, I thought this was going to be at least a two or three part message. And now I'm thinking it's going to be six. I'm struggling. I'm getting bogged down. But there's a lot here. There's a lot here. Everything from chapter 37 to chapter 50 besides chapter 38, all the other chapters are about Joseph. You know, in the book of Genesis, there's a lot about creation, but God spends more time about people than he did about all the creation. He focused most of the Bible about people because he cares about you and your life, and he knows the plans he has for you, and he does have plans for you in your life if you'll seek him and follow him and not get bitter, but yield to him and allow him to teach you and that we need to learn some lessons in our life of the trials that we go through, just like Joseph learned some lessons in his life, we can learn from his life. God's timing is perfect. And it's amazing to watch things go through here. All that takes place, this sudden power and responsibility and prosperity in his life, you don't seem really affecting or changing who Joseph is all that much. Now we know when later his brothers are gonna come. He's gonna do a little razz and a little little bit of aggravation towards his brothers and I give him a free pass for that. He could have done much worse. He'll, He'll aggravate them a little bit. I would have probably done worse. I would have looked for revenge but he backed off of that. But overall... He kept his integrity. That what God was able to use to bring him where he was, he didn't just throw it all away. You know some people do that. God uses you as you are and puts you in a place and then you try to start changing who you are and start doing things different. Just stick with what God got you there and stay with God and he can do some amazing things out of your life. Well, he gets married. He he has children of Manasseh and Ephraim who will later be parts of tribes of Israel one day. And that seven years of plentiness in that land, they were just you know, taking let's say there was a thousand acres, he takes a fifth of those and he, he plants grain. That's kind of what the plan of the fifth was. He take part of that land and then they begin to store all that corn and all the things that they could store to get ready for those seven years. The Bible tells us that those seven years of plentiness came and the seven years of dearth began to come, which means that dearth was that famine and that drought, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands, not just Egypt. It even affected his brothers back home there in Israel. And all the land of Egypt, there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph. You need bread, go to Joseph. You know who Jesus is? He's the bread of life. You need bread, go to Jesus, amen. You want life, you want sustaining, give your life to Jesus. So here in the Old Testament, Joseph is pointing to Jesus. That's why I like this book, and I like Joseph. Hidden little things like that bless my heart. The Bible says, Pharaoh says, Go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. In verse fifty-six, the Bible said the famine was over all the face of the earth. I've heard I've heard some history historians and history channel experts say that this famine proof that it was over all the earth. It was just a regional famine. The Bible says it was over all the earth. Amen. I'm gonna go with the Bible. Amen. Bible's usually right. Yes. Has been in my life. Amen. And so if that is true it drove other nations to come, how is it that they got corn in Egypt? How did everybody else get caught here with no plan and they're the only ones that's got a plan? Because God sent Joseph to Egypt. That's why. When other nations come across God's people, that's why they're worth history. That's why they're worth recording. Outside of that. It's not about them. It's about God's people interacting things with other people. It's about what God does in their life. And the Bible says in verse 56 Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. You know, when you start selling all that stuff, Brother Jerry, you become one of the greatest, most wealthiest nations. No one else had food. They're willing to sell everything they can to get food because it's the only thing that matters. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt, and all the countries came into Egypt to Joseph. Everybody bows down to Joseph. I don't think he's filled with pride of it, but I'm going to tell you, I, I can't help but think he goes back to Genesis 37 when God said all these sheaves of wheat are going to bow down, the sun, the moon, and the stars are going to revolve around you, everyone's going to make obeisance unto you. I know he didn't understand what that means, but here's what's happened. It's becoming reality here in these chapters. And then we get into chapter number 42. Go back home to where Joseph used to live before he was sold as a slave and thrown into a pit by his brothers. Those 13... 13- Years of what God's doing in Joseph's life, 13 years his brothers have lived with guilt, covering up sin, and the famine has reached to where they are, and Jacob's going to have to send them boys to go buy corn, and you know where they got corn? Egypt. You know who's in Egypt? Joseph. And his brothers are going to stand there before him having to buy corn from his hands and submit to his authority just like God gave that dream. It's a powerful image, amazing thing. What will you do when everything starts coming together after all the hardships? Will it blow your mind? Will you begin to abuse people around you? Or will you be will you begin to will you continue to try to just stay steady and lean on God and not let things go to your head, not lose your mind, not get out of control? Boy, there's a lot of trial and temptation there. There's a lot of things to think about. It's a great study. We'll get into some more stuff in the weeks ahead. But that'll finish us up tonight. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray, God, you'd help us to apply this to our lives. Help us to learn and glean some things, some truth of the life of Joseph. Let us be encouraged, be inspired, Lord. And if there's some people going through that two-year time frame, Lord, where they've been forgotten, Lord, help them to see the favor that's still there in their life. Be reminded God hasn't forgotten them. And I ask you, Lord, to help us, Lord, no matter what takes place in our life, help us to keep being faithful to you until you bring it to pass you open the doors you show us the next stages the next steps until you reveal the things that the purposes of why you brought us all this way thank you Lord for turning a number that the world calls bad luck into my new favorite number as I see the favor the goodness the grace of God in those years in the life of Joseph. I pray you watch over our people, Lord, many that weren't able to be here today, those who are going through trials and those recovering from sicknesses and surgeries, those having surgery this week. I pray you'll be with them. Help us, Lord, to walk in the light of your countenance. Help us, Lord, to be the light and the salt you've called and created us to be in this week ahead. Bless our fellowship together.